1 John chapter 2. Uh, last week we began a new series called Be Careful. And the series comes out of this scripture. No, I didn't say, hey Siri. He said, go ahead, I'm listening. It's kind of creepy when you think about it. 1 John chapter 2. Starting with verse 3. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And the Full Life Study Bible goes on to say John was contending here against a misunderstanding of the doctrine of grace and salvation. He opposed those teachers who taught that forsaking a sinful lifestyle was optional for the believer. They declared that one can legitimately claim to know God in a saving relationship and at the same time be indifferent to God's will and his commands. Those who make such a claim, John states, are liars and do not have God's truth in them. The attempt to be justified through faith in Christ without a commitment to follow Christ is doomed to failure. As Christians, we must be careful to walk as Jesus did, which means we must think as Jesus thinks, speak as Jesus speaks, see as Jesus sees, love as Jesus. Be careful. Through this series, we'll look at things like, you know, like I said, mouth, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. We're going to talk about your hands and what you do and your heart and where, where your devotion lies and, and what you allow your heart to be infatuated with, basically. And all we're going to look at these six things, and all these six things must work together. And last week I even mentioned that there's no particular order because they do all have to be working together. You can't even say that they have to line up this way, even though I'm going to say that in a little bit over a couple things. But it's like they have to um, be meshed together in order to move together. I mean, some things it's like you have to see before you could take a step but you almost have to take a step before you can see. You have to think you, it's possibly before you can believe in, in, in the answer. So some things, that naturally, we want to try to line up in an order. But they all have to be. You can't, you know, pick and choose. Kind of like the smorgasbord I've said of the Bible. People, oh, I, I believe this part, but I don't want to believe this part. And, you know, it's these six things, they all have to go together. And last week we did, we looked at the mouth, being careful what we speak, that we're speaking or saying what Jesus would say. The key point that we focused on is that you eat what you speak. And in the mouth is the power of life and death. You eat what you speak, whether life or death. And that came from Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The, power ha the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. So we need to be careful that we're speaking life to ourselves and to others, and not death. Today we're going to focus on the mind. Thinking as Jesus thinks. I keep saying, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. There it is. I'm putting that order in there. 
Well, you can't see it happening if you think it's impossible. You'll start believing different when you start thinking different. Our key point for today is what you think is what you believe. What you think is what you believe. And I came across this article in Forbes magazine that was just written in December. It's titled, Mind Over Matter May Actually Work When It Comes to Health Study Finds by Alice Walton. It says, in an interesting twist to the enduring nature versus nurture debate, a new study from Stanford University finds that just thinking you're prone to a given outcome may trump both nature and nurture. In fact, simply believing a physical reality about yourself can actually nudge the body in that direction, sometimes even more than actually being prone to the reality. And they did two Two um, study. They focused their studies on two facts: on um, endurance and on eating. Actually, endurance and exercise, and being full when eating. So it says the researchers published in Nature Human Behavior were interested. Here it is in the two areas: endurance during exercise and fullness during eating. For the endurance part, they did genetic testing on the participants to see whether they carried variants of a gene that makes a person more or less prone to tiring easily. They also had people run on a treadmill to measure that endurance. Then they randomly split the two participants into two groups telling the one that they had the gene variant that made them tire easy and the other gene variant that's linked to endurance. The catch was that they'd randomly divided the participants into these two groups. So some were big being given accurate results and the others the exact opposite. When the participants ran on a treadmill, again, their endurance changed measurably. Those who were told they had poor endurance genes couldn't run as long as they previously had. Actually measured 22 seconds less than. They had poor lung capacity. Their bodies didn't even rid themselves of the carbon dioxide as effectively as it had before. Those who were told they had better endurance ran even longer. They ran better, regardless of what genes they actually carried. Similar, similar results were found for the part that focused on the hormone that signals fullness to the brain during eating. When the participants ate a meal after hearing the, whether true or false, results of their genetic test, their bodies performed differently from how they had before hearing the news. Those told they made more of this fullness hormone actually released 2.5 times more than they had before. And that was also reflected in how much they ate. It was really a much stronger and faster physiological signal. And this mapped out to how much more full participants said they had felt, said study author Bradley Turnwald in the press release. Think about that. Simply believing a physical reality about yourself can actually nudge the body in that direction, sometimes even more than actually being prone to that reality. This is not from the Bible here. This is not Christians doing this study. This is plain researchers, scientists, who aren't even saying, you think on the Bible and it will help to make you well. This isn't Christian research. Stanford University put this out. Uh, Forbes magazine, which, you know, neither one of those things are, are, 
are Christian entities. Yet they're saying simply believing a physical reality about yourself will make your body respond. <laughs> now, where have we heard that before, though? I feel like you're sitting all alone over here. They're all over here. The ship is, is leaning this way. I'll, I'll preach more over here. You see how important it is to change the way you're thinking? Do you see how obvious it is now that Satan will attack your thoughts? That Proverbs that says, as a man thinks, so goes the man. <laughs> now there's research to prove that. I know this cord is pulling my shirt this way. I feel like I'm being strangled every few seconds. <clears throat> okay. Anyway, we'll tape that sucker down. Give me the duct tape after this service. Okay. Tape. Duct tape it right on me. Anyway, focus here. See, so goes the man where I think. John Maxwell calls this the sure enough syndrome. If you think you will fail, well, then sure enough, you will. You will become on the outside what you believe on the inside. Personal breakthroughs begin with a change in what you think. Why? Your thinking determines your beliefs, and your beliefs determine your expectations, and your expectations determine your actions. See how he just kind of laid that out? But you really, it really has to start in your thinking. Because if you think something's impossible, guess what? Sure enough. If you think you're a failure, well, sure enough. If you think you're dumb... Sure enough, you know, I, now it makes sense. This rant, I'm not going to say random thought. I should have wrote it down. I was thinking, that's just crazy. Why would I, that doesn't make any sense. doesn't go with the message, and I tossed it out. Now it makes sense. Oh. The word was... Stop defining your new man by the nature of your old man. If your old man is supposed to be dead and buried, why do you keep defining who your new man is based on your old man? Um, I never have liked reading. I'm not good at, well, I just can't. Those are all definitions Define natures of the old man. Your new man, he's created you anew. Well, I just, I don't have that kind of schooling. Yeah, the old man didn't. I have the mind of Christ. I have all wisdom, all knowledge. Why? Because he said, you want it? Go ahead and ask. I'll give it all to you. Well, I could never. No, that old man couldn't. I'm a new man. Stop defining who the new man is based on the nature of the old dead man. That's a change in the way of thinking. That's good. God gave me that. I should have wrote that down. Write that one down for me. See, he drops things in me and I can't even open up my message again. So I have to put sticky notes in places. But I have to sticky note that one so I don't forget it. That was good. God, you're good. Okay. So we need to be careful how we think and what we think. How we think and what we think. So in Ephesians chapter 4, I told you to turn there, right? I did. How we think and what we think. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. Four seventeen says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, 
that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Let me just stop for a second. All that started by futility of thinking. Do you know what futility means? Actually, I think I wrote the definition down. That must have been a sticky note somewhere else. Futility of thinking is just lazy thoughts. Uh, kind of like the drool running from your mouth and you're just letting your mind go wherever. That's the futility of thinking. It's not purpose thinking. It, it's not determined thinking. It's just uh, that kind of thinking darkened their understanding, separated them from the life of God by that ignorance. Ignorance is a, a lack of knowledge. By that ignorance, hardened their hearts, lost all sensual or sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and gave themselves over to sensuality and every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And all that came right here. From just a random, I can think whatever I want. I'll just let any thought just run through my mind. It all started here. And he said, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off that old man which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The attitude of your mind. It starts with the attitude of your mind. It's a settled way attitude. The definition of attitude means a settled way of thinking reflected in your behavior. As you think, so goes the man. As you think, so goes the man. Settled way of thinking reflected in your attitude. It all starts there. If what you think is what you become, why would you ever allow negative, destructive, or just plain lazy thoughts control your life. Be careful how you think. Romans 8.5 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set and what the spirit desires. Think about that. Have their minds set. It's like dialing it in. I know on the old radios, remember those? You actually had to dial them in. Remember hearing those things? Everyone over 40 goes, yes. Under 30, what? You had to set your mind on what the spirit Desire. It's a willful, deliberate action to think from the new man. But thinking from the old man to think worldly thoughts is just lazy, drooling, uh, what a futility of thinking. Uh, probably that nothing box, right, that we learned in the love and respect. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. Forget it. That was a joke. Stop it. So to think how we think, to think from that, to set your mind on that new man, on the spirit, what the spirit desires, has to be a deliberate action. Anything more than that is worldly thinking or from the old man. Futility of thinking, lazy thinking. 
That and that man who goes back and forth. I mean, think about it. Have you ever sat in a vehicle with somebody who changes the channel constantly? Tyler Victor Mauer. For some reason in the Acadia that we drive, they've got their own control in the back seat. What changes my station up front? So I'm like starting to listen to this song and he's going, mm, 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 changing the channel. I'm like, just pick a channel, man. It drives you crazy, jumping back and forth and back and forth. The double-minded man, the word says the parable Jesus gave about the sower. Remember that? The one who thinks and is prone to worrying and thinking like the world would think, that double-minded man is the only one that can nullify the word of God. Rendering it, it calls it unfruitful. That double-mindedness, unstable in all his ways, he's called in the Bible. We have been given the mind of Christ. And I like it. He even protects that mind and gives us the helmet of salvation. But in the armor of God where he lists all those things, he says, you have to put it on. Daily. Well, once saved, always saved. You have to purposely put that helmet on. And I like it that Benny Hinn actually did a study because he, you know, all the, you know, I don't want to get into his history, but um, back in the original meaning of the armor of God, he did a big study on the armor of God and laid it comparison with the armor of the uh, soldiers in the Old Testament. And the helmets actually on the side of them would display the name of who they belong to. Think about that. The helmet of salvation <clears throat> declares to everyone who you belong to. And it protects the mind of Christ that you've been given. But you have to put it on or purpose how you're going to think from it every day. It's a continual deliberate action. Be careful how you think. Think from the mind of Christ. God is all knowledge, all answers. Stop following the world's way of thinking things out. I just need to think this out. Why? Why bother? It's like the three-year-old coming to you. And asking you advice and then saying, oh, oh, wait a minute. I'll think this one out my own, on my own. Oh, you will. Three years old. You're going to think this one out on your own, huh? You're going to figure this one out yourself, huh? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I don't need to know what you think. Why are we trying to think things out on our own? And God says, I've given you the mind of Christ. I have all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding. You need wisdom? All you have to do is ask. Stop trying to think things through on your own. Be careful how you think. And then we need to be careful what we think. So we think from the mind of Christ, because we've been given the mind of Christ, not the old man, but from the new man who has the mind of Christ, that's how we think. And now we need to be careful about what we think, what we allow to come into that mind. We have to start retraining what we think. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. How many times have you heard that? If you heard that more than once, have you heard that scripture before? The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Amen. On the contrary, they, they what? They the weapons have divine power to, and I love this, demolish. I love the word demolish because it's not just break down, knock down. Push over. 
demolish. I like that word. They have divine power. What does? The weapons has divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedience to Christ. I've told you before the definition of pretension is an allegation of doubtful value. In the context of this scripture, a pretension would be a thought that claims that God has done something wrong even without proof that he has. A pretension. Anything that contradicts the word of God. Or the thought, like it's saying, that I just totally jumped ship here. A pretension is believing that God did something wrong without proof that he did something wrong. God, why did you take my loved one? God, why would you allow this to happen? Anything that would set itself up against or contradict the word of God. It says we need to take it, we need to demolish it, break it down, take it captive. And I'm not approving of beating your animals. As a matter of fact, I tell the kids all the time, and Brian, Proverbs says, even a wise man is nice to his animals. But... I always get this picture in my mind when I read this scripture about taking it captive and making it obedient to Christ, like grabbing a disobedient dog by the back of the neck after he poo-pooed on your carpet and taking his nose right over to it and saying, what are you doing there, right? Yeah, mm, yeah, throw him out the door, right? I'm the only one that's ever done that before. But that's what my mind, the picture my mind gets when I read about this scripture. That it's a deliberate, willful, uh, aggressive act. That you can't be futile in your thinking. You can't just uh, let anything go through your mind. If it sets itself up against the word of God. If it tries to blame God for doing something that he hasn't done, you have to immediately break it down. It says strongholds down, demolish them. Take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I mean it. Put that, put that picture in your mind of that disobedient dog grabbing him by the back of the neck and sticking his nose right at the foot of the cross. How dare you say anything like that about God? And make it obedient to Christ. Listen, strongholds are created through wrong thinking. Strongholds in your life are created by wrong thinking. These can also just be lazy thinking. I, I, we've laughed at these a few different times. That sometimes our mind can't separate, was that one of grandma's scenes or is that actually in the Bible somewhere? And we start, our life so goes according to that, right? Because as we think, so we are, right? You need to challenge those thoughts, Bring it back to the word of God. Does this line up? Um, the doom and gloom that's being spoken of right now by Christians, which drives me nuts. That um, I wasn't even, I didn't even write this down in my examples, but it, see, it gets right up there. That um, Here's a saying that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so what are we to do? Things need to grow darker because the end of 
the world is coming and Jesus is coming back soon. All that is doom and gloom and removes our responsibility that we have to be the light of the world. If the world is going to hell in a handbasket, it's because the Christians aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I can't believe for an end of all things that it would end in despair. Yes, the end of all things is coming. But it's not ending in our defeat. That's a doom and gloom. Well, the world's going to win out. Evil's going to win out at the end. Where is that in the Bible? But that's the way Christians are thinking right now. Well, we just need to huddle in here. Hold on till Jesus comes. Ah! I know! The angels... You know, blared out in, in symphony here that what? When Jesus was born, what? Oh, woe is you, people of the earth, doom and gloom on you. No. Come on. It's great news. Great joy. That's the message we carry. You need to challenge your thoughts. Here's one I'll just pull out of the hat because here's another one that Christians are just um, loving to debate. Tithing. I know. Oh, I said I would never say that word. Tithing simply means 10%. 10%. Tithing, 10%. That's the definition. How do I challenge that, even a thought, that, that tithing is not for the new Christ, the new believer today. Um, here it is. Ask some questions. One, does the Bible mention tithing more than once? If it does, it's a pattern. Did Jesus encourage tithing? Yeah, more than once. Was tithing practiced among the New Testament believers? Exactly. It was more than. 10% was the, the bottom of the barrel. Here's where you start. 10%. Start. As a baby, just tie. Just try me. Test me. Here, just 10%. New Testament believers said, no, it's all God's. It's all God's. It can't just be. We can't just skim by with this is good enough. The New Testament believers said it's got to be a much more than that. So was tithing practice among the New Testament believers? Yes. Are there promises related to tithing? Yes. If so, then tithing is a condition. Then is tithing a condition that leads to a greater reward? Is tithing a condition that leads to a greater reward? Yes. Are there warnings for not tithing? Yes. Does tithing honor God or encourage selfishness? It honors God. Does tithing line up with the nature of God? Which means, did he practice giving his first and his best? <laughs> yeah. If tithing honors God, what is God really after? Because remember, to God, natural things are to, uh, I should have written this one out so it comes out better. Um, natural things bring us into a spiritual reality. i got to work that one out better before next service, or not say it. Physical things are temporary. Spiritual things are eternal. So he will use natural temporary things to help steer us spiritually. So if tithing honors God, what is God really after? Well, the scripture says that he don't care about your treasure, your money. But wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. It's trying to get at your heart. So you can, I mean, I just picked on tithing for a second because it's, 
It's just one of those like shut the door when you go to the bathroom kind of obvious, duh, things you should be doing as a Christian. Yet people keep bringing it up like it's a big issue. Um, but you can throw in anything. Go into church. Look at the same questions. Does the Bible mention going to church more than once? Yeah. Did Jesus encourage going to church? Was going to church practiced among the New Testament believers? <laughs> Are there promises related to going to church? If so, is going to church a condition that leads to a greater reward? Are there warnings for not going to church? Does going to church honor God or encourage selfishness? Does going to church line up with the nature of God? We are the body of Christ. Right? And if going to church honors God, what is God really after? We are the body of Christ. He is the head. Come on, you can take anything and line it up. I'm trying to get you to challenge your thinking. And sometimes, again, there's that futility of thinking. We'll say things, and we need to help encourage, challenge each other in our thinking when you hear something spoken incorrectly or out of nature. Usually that's the one that gets me. It, that's, I'll hear that me, 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 me warning first. Where somebody, I'll be in a conversation with somebody, and they'll say something, and I immediately, because... We've been given the mind of Christ. We should actually, this should be like, how can I do this? Sorry if you're listening by podcast. Like wearing your Bible on your head like a hat. It should be a filter. I mean, how you like this? Boy, I'm so glad that video camera isn't, oh, crap, it is running. It should be the filter by which we allow things to come in. So when I'm in a conversation with somebody, or I'm just sitting, or whatever, and I hear something, the first question that I always have in my list, my list of, you know, is this, is this true? Should I continue to think this way? Is does it line up with the nature of God? That one's always the easiest, because I don't have to go back and do a lot of research on that one, because I've been a Christian long enough that's my heart, is to know his heart. That's what I get at. I study the word not to just have words in my head. I study the word to get to know who he is. I love to know more about who he is, what his heart is. So when I hear something that I go, mm, that, I don't think that lines up with his nature. That's where um, the warning of tithing, uh, that is like, woo, you know, I hear this huge warning when somebody starts to argue that tithing isn't for today. I went, you know what? You're right. It's not for today. That's That was so baseline Old Testament that it should be 40, 50% or more. That's right. The New Testament church said they sold everything and gave all to the church. Why? So then the church could distribute it. Who? Okay, you only need this much. Okay, you need that much. That's New Testament giving. But the warning is, can't you just hear it when it line, when you take that and line it up with the nature of God? Even God himself gave first, gave best. And if we're created in him, it's image. And it says right here that we're supposed to, I just read that. Be like God in true righteousness and holiness then if he gave his best, his first, his best, then what's my excuse for holding back? If Jesus himself went to the synagogue as was his custom on every Sabbath, what's my excuse for not going to church? Well, I just need a day off. Well, yeah, think maybe the Son of God did? <laughs> Think maybe he was a little bit busier than we could ever imagine. Or a little more if he could have been stressed. The everybody and always, you know, you know, clawing in on him. Come on. But think about what you think about. Challenge your thinking. Take it captive. I love that. 
<laughs> grabbing that disobedient dog, grabbing that thought. Wait a minute, this doesn't line up with the word of God. Get out of here. Taking it captive. Change your filter, like I said. Run it through the word of God. And it really, I mean, those questions are good. I probably should have written those down for you. It's just something that I kind of, um, not me. If it's good, it's God. If it's, if it's not good, it's me. But he works with us. He cooperates with us as we cooperate with him. And I, I threw that out a long time ago. God, how do I know? How do I know? When things seem right, but give you that. And these questions came out of that. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. See, we should be deliberate in our thinking. That futility of thinking, that lazy thinking will lead you into sin. It's a stronghold that will be built and you'll actually start believing it. Have you ever come across somebody and you're talking to them and they're arguing this point and they're, you know, defensive and blah, blah. And you already know you've been, you've worked yourself out of that lie and you're on the other side and you're looking back at them thinking, that's just stupid. How could you, how could you think that? You know, it's, well, remember where you came from. For one thing, <laughs> you thought that too. I mean, I'm sure before you gave your life to the Lord 100%, you thought Christians were dumb. What are they doing? You know, being a Christian isn't fun. Have you heard that one? It's not fun. I just want to wait. I remember in my later teenage years, knowing, because I was raised in church, that I would live my life, have fun, and then when I get old, like 25 or something, then I would settle down, go back to church and, and give my heart to the Lord when, you know, my fun life was over. I had no idea. <laughs> but come on, you need to challenge the way you're thinking. You need to purposely think truth. Think on what is true, noble, right, lovely, praiseworthy, excellent. If you don't believe, here it is, if you don't believe Jesus would be thinking it, what are you doing thinking it? I mean, just like we said last week over the mouth, if you can't hear Jesus speaking the words that you're speaking, you shouldn't be speaking them. If you can't imagine God sitting there, Jesus sitting there, thinking the thoughts that you're thinking, you shouldn't be thinking them. And I know Christians like to, like we said last week, with the, put that pretty little bow on it and make it feel like it's, you know, it, it, it's humbling. False humility is the devil in disguise. Well, you know, I, I'm not very smart. You know, I, you know, I didn't get much. I dropped out of school and I'm not an eloquent speaker and I'm not, you know, could you imagine your heavenly father, the God of the universe of all things created, wanting his son or his daughter walking around, as my grandma would say, with the tail between their legs? What would you think a king, even in our culture today, would want his son going out into his kingdom acting like? I don't know. I don't know. You know, and I don't know. And I, uh... There's confidence in who he is in me. That's a child of God. But it's determined thinking. I'm only going to allow, I think Bill Johnson said, how can I allow any thought in my head that God wouldn't have in his head about me? Yeah. 
If you can't see Jesus thinking what you're thinking, then you shouldn't be thinking it. And here it is again. Be careful. Your thinking determines your beliefs. Your beliefs determine expectations. Expectations determine your actions. So we need to be careful how we think. Renew our mind. Dead to worldly thinking. Dead to that old man. You have the mind of Christ. And be careful what you think. Retrain your mind. Take captive those wrong thoughts quickly. And think like Jesus would think. And now the ushers have, when you leave today, this list that I put together. I heard somebody preach something like this a while ago. And then I just kind of have been re-editing it. Um, but I've listed seven signs of a renewed mind. How do you know when you have a renewed mind? How do you know when you're thinking with the mind of Christ? And I listed out seven things, so real quickly, I'll just run through them. You'll get this when you leave today. Um, number one, you live in hope. Any thought in your mind that doesn't inspire hope is rooted in a lie. So when something goes wrong, a transformed or a renewed mind thinks, oh, don't worry, that's all going to work out for good. Number two, the impossible seems possible. The renewed mind sees the impossible and knows that's okay. It's still possible. When faced with extreme impossibilities, you can see God doing the impossible. You believe God is big enough to do what he said he would do. Number two, the renewed mind. You live in peace and you don't worry. You quickly speak peace over every storm. You don't entertain thoughts of doubt or worry. You believe Jesus is always with you and God is always working on your behalf. A renewed mind. You like yourself just the way God made you. No one is perfect, but you can actually like who God made you to be. You are not just your strengths. You are also your weaknesses all rolled up into the big Y-O-U. But this is not a place to make excuses for sin. Sin is sin, disobedience. Grab that sucker by the back of the neck and make it obedient to Christ. I don't like it when Christians say that their weaknesses are sin or call their sin weakness. Sorry, call their sin weaknesses. Sin is sin. Get over it, bury it and go on. We are called to be holy and righteous just like God. So don't make excuses for sin. This is like in yourself weaknesses, you know. Okay, that's that would preach all of it on its own. I got to keep moving forward. Seven signs. Number five. You are quick to forgive and free from bitterness and jealousy. You're quick to extend mercy and grace to everyone, not just those who earn it. In other words, you don't hold offenses. You love as Christ loves you and you forgive as you want God to forgive you. These are seven signs of a renewed mind. Six, you are confident and thankful. There it is. You are confident and thankful. Thankfulness shows that you realize you got something you didn't deserve. So the difference between arrogance and confidence is thankfulness. Even in those weaknesses, God's strength is made perfect through you. So be confident and thankful. Oh, there it is. I wrote it down here. God does not want his child walking around, as grandma would say, with their tail between their legs. I am who he says I am. Confidence and thankfulness. And number seven, you believe in others and give them the benefit of the doubt. Even your speculations are positive. Speculations are those negative what ifs in life. Someone with a renewed mind does not entertain negative speculations, which is um, my husband's not home yet. Now he's an hour late. Now he's two hours late. Oh, I knew it. That strip club just opened up on the corner by his work. Uh, my son's not home yet. I'm, what if the bus got an axe? What if the bus is in a ditch? What if they're rolled over? I just saw that on the news and that 13-year-old died. Even their speculations are positive. A renewed mind thinks positively. Your mind is renewed. Even your speculations are hopeful. 
Love always believes the best in others. And those are on the back of this. And we put on the other side uh, a short writing here by Joyce Meyer says, Scriptures for a sound mind, which is just good. Um, but those are available when you leave today. So what you think is what you believe, and believing is seeing. God is a big God. We need to believe he is big enough to do what he said he will do. So stop praying small prayers. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. Start thinking that. Start speaking that. And watch your life line up with that. There is medical proof on it. All right. Stand up. We're going to close. And I believe we need to attack a few things. We're going to attack these um, wrong thoughts, these pretensions, um, these thoughts that, um, and I really believe we need to um, pray for the, the cloud to be lifted, that you're believing lies you don't even know are lies. But we have been given the mind of Christ. And so we're going to help you by taking those thoughts captive. We're going to help you by praying with you to lift that veil so that the light of truth will shine on them and they will be exposed for lies. You'll see them clearly. We're also going to attack the offense. Um, and... Actually, I said this a while ago. God, the Holy Spirit asked me one time, do you want to know what causes people to take offense? An offense is an attack against your thoughts. You thought this or that should happen, and when it doesn't, you take offense. They should have done this. They should have done that. They, you know, you're thinking that this is the outcome that should have happened. When it doesn't happen that way, you take offense. It's an attack against your thoughts. Or it's a product of wrong thoughts. I guess it could be both ways. Maybe I should think that one out some more. Oh, I don't need to think it out. Offenses keep us prisoners of our own minds. We then are the ones held captive. wrong thoughts when we have been given weapons to demolish and to take captive those wrong thoughts if we allow those thoughts to set up camp in our head they take us captive boy is that a twist from what God wants for us to have a funeral for that old man I think too often we, we say the sinner's prayer we say yes to Jesus and forget to bury the old man maybe a couple times a year we should have a funeral spiritual funeral we pull in this great big uh, what are those things casket and make sure we realize that old man is dead and buried there should be a, a date in your mind. I got mine written on the back of my neck. A date of when that old man died. That old man has no authority over this new man. I think differently. I speak differently. I, I believe differently. I live differently. Why? Not just because that old man put on new clothes. That old man's dead. Behold, all things are new. I'm born again. And if you're in here today and you haven't made that commitment, I'm looking around, looking around, looking around. I think everybody in here is, but I don't want to just um, gloss over it because it, at any time we can turn our affections and turn our devotion 
to actually think that we're still living for Christ and everything's okay and he's saying you know you're so far away from me you've done closed the door on me and now I'm still standing here and knocking on the door and you've closed it again the once saved always saved is not true I've read that to you over and over again over and over again it says in the scripture more than once it says that your name will be blotted out of the book of life why by things we purposely do or don't do you can't say you know me and not do what I say we need to break strongholds today anyone battling with negative confusing thoughts um, being easily offended we're gonna attack those take those thoughts captive for you I really believe they're we're gonna help you um, by um, pulling off that veil I, I almost feel like it's a veil not just a cloud a cloud of confusion but a veil that's been put over you you don't even know that some of the things that you're thinking believing are lies so let me just pray for you and then we'll we'll all come up and we'll pray together father right now we just thank you god that your word is so life-giving yeah i mean we learned that last week that we don't live off bread alone but we live off we feed ourselves on every word that comes from your mouth oh your word is just it's delicious satisfying strengthens encourages gives us hope mm. thank you for your word God I pray I pray right now Jesus Holy Spirit you'd begin to lift the veils off people's minds right now right now right now in the name of Jesus lift those veils expose those lies that they've been believing and they didn't even know they were alive lift those veils lift those veils right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we would be a people of purposed thinking thinking from the mind of Christ Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. The scripture we read earlier says, Set your mind on what the Spirit desires. The woman with the issue of blood said to herself, Change the way she is thinking. Said, set her mind to say, to believe that if I just touch the edge of his garment, I will be healed. Thinking changed her believing, which created her reality. I want to close by just pressing in like we always do please don't let this just become familiar or something we just always do but that we press into God praying for each other so come on let's reach out let's reach out it, did this hey can I just ask did this message speak anything to anyone today this was for me this message was for me I have a problem with not just wrong thinking, but I mean futility, the lazy thinking. 
Yes, yes, yes. Well, come on up. Let's pray with each other. Come on up. Let's cement this. Let's take those disobedient dogs by the back of the neck for each other. Come on. Let's help each other. So let's talk to each other. Talk to each other. Would you pray with me about this? Would you pray with me about that? Is there something I can pray with you about? Come on, let's let's pray for each other. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Power, power, power in the name of Jesus. Power, power to break strongholds. Power, Holy Spirit, power. The Word of God is power, a weapon. Oh, a double-edged sword to demolish these strongholds right now in the name of Jesus. Every stronghold is demolished now in the name of Jesus. Every wrong thought, every pretension, every argument, anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God, we grab it now. And we take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ. In Jesus' name, power, power, power. Holy Spirit, if you need me praying for a sickness or 